0: personal Savior. Well, today can be the day that can happen. Lord, I can take a Bible and show them how to be saved. Lord, we have others that can take a Bible and show them how they can know for sure they're saved. Lord, we've got those that are here that are walking with you and struggling a little bit, going through difficulty, but then we have some that are saved, but they're not right. Lord, they're not walking the direction they need to walk. Lord, in all this spectrum, Lord, those that are lost, those that are saved and right, and those that are saved and wrong, God, I pray that you'll let us learn something today. Help us to find something that's going to help us be what we need to be. In Jesus' precious, holy name I pray. Amen. 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 If you're glad to be saved, say amen. amen. I want you to take your Bibles and stand with me and turn to the book of Genesis chapter number 13. Genesis chapter number 13, we're going to read a few verses and then share a few things that God has got for us. I need some ushers to help me if you've got some. If you, we, we tried to pass out these outlines before the service, and if you did not get one, I need you to raise your hand real quickly. I want you to have one if you don't have one. I want you to have one so you can fill this out. There's a lot of information that I'm going to give to you in a short time. And it would be easier for you to remember it if you have this to follow through and uh, just fill it in as we go. If you need one, raise your hand. We've got fellas running through the crowd. Anybody in the front need one? Anybody on this side, uh, uh, raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one. Uh, Do y'all have them up here? Y'all need them up here? Does everybody have one? Anybody need one? Uh, you taking care of that. All right. Genesis chapter number 13. Look real good, fellas. Make sure they all have one. Genesis 13 and verse number 1. When you get there, say amen leading up to this chapter, uh, we know that God has called a man to go somewhere. Uh, God will call somebody to go somewhere. Say amen. This man is named Abram. We know his name later on is changed to Abraham. We all uh, know him as Father Abraham, the the father of the nation of Israel, the one God promised to uh, bring about a heritage that led up to the Lord Jesus Christ being born. We know he left his father's place and went to a place that God had promised him. In a time of difficulty and famine, he went down into Egypt in disobedience. He shouldn't have done that. Egypt is always a type of the world. Say that with me. Egypt is a type of the world. The world. Well, they are coming out of Egypt. God, uh, how many of you know God will call you back out of Egypt if you go back? Amen. Well, they are here now in this chapter 13. And he has a sidekick with him named Lot. Lot is his nephew. Uh, uh, and where Abraham went, Lot went. Lot took Abraham uh, with him. And they are coming out of Egypt. They are coming back out of the world. The Bible says in verse number 1, And Abram went up out of Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had, and who was with him? Lot. Lot into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel under the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, under the place of the altar which he had made thereof at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And that's a good thing to do. Amen. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelled then in the land. Uh, you know, I always wondered why God just threw that in there, uh, but I believe that he wants us to understand when we squabble, the world sees what's going on. Did y'all hear me? The only thing the world needs to know about Temple Baptist Church is everything is hunk dory. Amen. That's not real good English, but that's some good preaching right there. Uh, listen, if you have a problem, if you have an issue, you don't need to go tell nobody out in the world. You need to bring it and deal with it in here. I want this world to know God is good. God is great. Say Amen. Listen, they were squabbling, fussing, and listen, the Canaanite and the Parasites were there seeing what was going on. These were God's people. They shouldn't be acting that way. Amen. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. He had a good reason, and we ought to get this, for we be brethren. Yes. We don't need to fight and argue. We're brethren. Amen. We're in the same family. Amen. you going to live together in heaven. You might as well learn to live together here. I don't know where all that's coming from, but here it is. Amen. Amen. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife. Verse 9, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord... Watch this, like the land of, let me give you a little commercial, be careful where you take your children, be careful what you allow in your home, because you may come back out of the world unscathed, but your children may not escape it. Abraham was Lot's authority. Abraham came out. He got right and and got where he needed to be. But Lot never forgot about Egypt. That music you allow in your home, that that stuff you allow on your TV, you may be all right with it. You may get by with it. You may be okay. You may come through with flying colors, but your children will never get it off of them. That's just a commercial. The Bible says he saw it; that it looked like Egypt. It reminded him of where they just come out. He reminded him of the world. He could not forget that city. He says in verse eleven. Then Lot, what did he do? Chose. He chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, After that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, westward, and or eastward and westward. All the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your, your grace. Thank you for your blessing today. Help me, Lord. I believe i got your word, and I just need help delivering it. Oh, well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We we discussed this topic in Sunday school a few weeks ago, and I hadn't been able to shake it since. I've been mulling it over and, and working on it. Now, I, I did a little different outline in Sunday school, but had to put it in a different form to bring it uh, uh, to here tonight and today. And, and uh, uh, I, 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 I'm telling you, God is speaking today. If there's ever been a time God has given me the message for the hour, it's right now. I want you to do everything you can in your power to keep an open mind, to pay attention to what I'm saying today. Because some of y'all are on the brink of destruction. Some of you are on the, listen, you're right on the edge. You're in the valley of decision. The Bible says multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. You're in that place that Lot was where God has given you a choice. God has given you a chance to make a decision to go with him or to go against him. I'm telling you now, somebody's life will be changed today. Somebody's not going to pay attention. Somebody's not going to hear the warning today. And you are going to face destruction in your life. Please, please pay attention. I want to preach this morning on the subject, a tale of two Christians. A tale of two Christians. Say that with me. Tale of two I'm not talking about a saved man and a lost man. I'm talking about two saved men, two God-believers, two God fears, two people that were saved, two people that were righteous, but they lived two different lives. Do you know you can be a Christian and live right, and you can be a Christian and live wrong? Oh man, some of y'all don't believe that. I'll prove it to you. Well there ain't no way Lot could be saved. There ain't no way Lot could be right. There's no way Lot could be what and do what he done and be that way. Well let me read you a verse, Second Peter two. Verse 7 says, and he delivered just Lot, vexed with a filthy conversation of the word vexed means tortured, uh, tortured by the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Don't tell me he wasn't. The Bible clearly says that. And I want to share with you just a few thoughts God gave me on this particular subject because I'm, I'm seeing way too many Christians going the wrong way. Way too many people that are saved walking down the wrong path. Abram and Lot were two righteous individuals. They were two saved individuals, but they chose two different lives that they wanted to live. And I'm praying, I'm begging God that you'll hear the warning, that you'll hear what I'm saying today, because it's critical that you get the truth out of this message. Amen. Abraham and Lot, if you're taking notes, if you're writing notes, and, and you're with us this morning, I appreciate it. I know I, I don't always do this on Sunday morning, but I just felt so in, just encouraged to do this by God. I want you to follow with me if you will. The Bible says, uh, 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 and, and number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see, number one, the characteristics that are compared. Let's look at these two individuals. We see Abram and Lot. Abram was right. Lot was wrong. Abraham went the right way. Lot went the wrong way, all right? Now, let's look at their characteristics. A, if you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see the activity that they employed, the activity that that they employed. I have found I have found looking through uh, Scripture here, right here close together in chapters 12 and chapters 13, four different times that you find Abram building an altar. The Bible says in chapter 12, verse number 7, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land? And there builded he an altar. There built he an altar. The Bible says in verse 8, and he removed thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded and... And then he called on the name of the Lord. Watch this here. Chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 4. He, listen, it says in verse 3. He says, And he went on his journey from the east even to Bethel under the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Verse 4. Under the place of... The altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar. Isn't it amazing? And and another fact too, just a little commercial here, Uh, Brother Mickle, the only place he didn't build an altar was in Egypt. It's hard to build an altar when you're living in the world. You don't find an altar in Egypt. Preacher, what are you saying? Everywhere Abraham went he built an altar. What is an altar for? An altar is for communication. An altar is for communion. Some people have the false idea and the wrong idea that an altar is just for sinners to come and find the Lord. That is the exact opposite. That was never the case. An altar was always for, and we can, thank God, amen, we can. Sinners can find the Lord at this altar here. But listen, the altar is for saved people to come and meet with God. He communicated. He had fellowship. He had relationship with him. And you know what? Not one time, not one time have I found an altar associated with Lot. Preacher, what are you getting at? This is what I'm getting at. If you're saved and you don't never pray, you're going the wrong way. If you're saved and you know God and you never pray, you never spend time in prayer, you never communicate with God, you're you're leading a weak and anemic lifestyle. The Bible says pray fervently. It says pray without ceasing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It ain't no wonder we're all worried to death and popping pills and taking value. We never spend time in prayer at the altar of God, in the presence of God, and get the grace of God and the help of God and experience the power of God. Everywhere Abram went, he knew how important it was to be in the presence of God. He had the touch of God on him. So everywhere he went, before he ever planted a crop, he built an altar. You know what's happened in homes in America today? The family altar is gone. Lot never made an altar. Right Christian, wrong Christian. Good way. Bad way, right way, wrong way. Abraham, everywhere he went, he built an altar. Nowhere do you find an altar in Lot's house. Nowhere. Isn't that sad? It's amazing when Elijah when Elijah came and had, had revival on Mount Carmel with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had gone and backslid and began to worship Baal and, and all kind of immoral things. And when he had to bring revival, the first thing he had to do was rebuild the altar. God touched him. Amen? Listen, I want you to see the activity they employed. Then B, I want you to see the attitude they expressed. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. When you read this, it, it, is, it is so incredible how you can see the attitude of Christians that are walking with God and attitudes of Christians that are not. It don't take long getting around some folks. You know whether they've been at the altar or not. I, Bo, I left the prayer meeting last night got home got home and and uh and uh I, I sat on the bed and tammy came in there and wanted me to taste uh uh a uh, experiment <laughs> and that's what it was it was an experiment wasn't it? it was it but it was good it was bacon egg and cheese on on a on a on a muffin thing it was all mixed together and and i said baby i i said i'm i'm i said i'm sorry i said i had, i hadn't let you know how much you, you mean to me. And, and, and I appreciate you. And, 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 and I'm, I just want you to know I love you with all my heart. And I had tears dripping off my face. She said, what's got into you? <laughs> you mean me to tell you what got into me? I just left the altar. I said, man, I was at church and I was praying. And God was showing me all the things he'd done for me. And what he, how good he's yeah, been to me. I, I just can't help it. What are you saying? Came a problem. We're talking about a right and wrong attitude. Abraham's attitude was this: it was an unselfish attitude. An unselfish attitude. He said, Look, Lot, we don't need to argue. We don't need to fuss. Blessed are the peacemakers. Bless God, I tell you what I No, you ain't been at the altar. It ain't no way. <laughs> Me and my brother. Boy, Joe gets a lot of airtime at Temple, don't he? Amen. I'm not 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 saying that I was closer to God. Well, yeah, I was closer to God than him. I will say that at this particular time, we had a situation. We was in, in Daytona Beach, Florida, and uh, I had just gotten my car. I mean, I hadn't had my car three weeks. Uh, uh, candy Apple Red Z28 T tops. Say, man, right there. That's what God's coming in the rapture in. Right there. Amen. T-tops out and everything. I was so proud of that car. Well, anyhow, we left Daytona. It was at the, at the race. It was so exciting. I mean, we had a great time. And, and, uh, and uh, that was the year Bill Elliott won. That was a miracle. Say amen right there. But anyhow, I, it, we, we was leaving. And, and, you know, there was like 20 lanes of cars trying to get in two lanes. I mean, it was stupid the way they had it. And they were just trying to, you know. And, I, and some of y'all may not know my dad, but he ain't going to give an inch for nobody. And Joe's right there with him, egging him on. Don't let him in, Dad. Don't let him in. You know, I'm saying, don't dip my car, please. Don't dent my car. Amen. I mean, I'm in the back seat of my own car. Amen. Well, this fellas over on the right-hand side. This fellow over here on the right-hand side, uh, they, they had been in the sauce. Are y'all with me? They, they had been in the stuff, and they, they wasn't really in, in, in coherent with what was going on. They ran right into the side of my car. Oh, yeah. Two weeks I've had this thing. Well, we all pull over. First thing Joe's doing is pulling his shirt off. Amen. That's just. Let's get him, Dad. I mean, he's a freshman in high school, and he's wanting to whoop two drunks in a car. Amen. And Dad wasn't far from it. Let me say right there. Had, if he hadn't had three church members knowing they was coming behind us, he probably would have whooped them, right? I'm saying, come on, Dad, let's get in the car. Let's get in the car. Come on, we need to go. No, what they, they, they ain't gonna, they're ain't drunk. They don't even know what they're doing. Let's get out of here. I didn't want no problems. I want, I, you know, I want, when you're walking with God and you're close to God, you're not going to start problems. You're going to be a peacemaker. I'm telling you. He said, look, we don't need no problems. We don't need no problems. And matter of fact, went to the point and said, look, you pick right. And I'll pick left. Or right and left. Amen. You do that. I don't care whichever one you want. You go that way. Man, we don't need to be fussing. Right, man. We don't need to be fighting. See, he had spent time in the altar, so he was unselfish. Say it with me. He was unselfish. But look at Lot's attitude. Lot said, hmm. He began to look. And he looked to see what the best was I'm going to pick that one you say what's the problem with that this is the problem with that Abraham was Lot's authority are y'all with me this is what Lot should have done when Abram come to him with the issue I'm sorry I'm going to deal with my men hey look look I respect your authority I respect who you are you tell me what I need to do and that's what I'll do I don't want to be there no strife Abraham was unselfish Lot was unsubmissive the people that are not walking with God I've have, I have always found out they don't want nobody telling them what to do bless God I'm going to have my way I'm going to do what I want to do I'm going to pick the way I want to go I'm going to do nah 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 yeah go ahead and you're going to end up just like Lot did too Selfish people are people who have not spent time at the altar. Amen. And this world is full of selfish Christians. Amen. Bless God, I tell you, I picked up. A... We see the attitude that they expressed. Then number two, write this down. Put your seatbelt on his it's fixing to get a little hairy. Say it with me. Say it again. Challenge, Say this with me. Whether I'm right whether or whether I'm wrong, whether God's going to challenge me. Yeah, but Abraham was, why did he, why, 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 did God challenge Abraham? He was going right. I'll show you in a minute. But I need to, who's first on the list? Is it Lot or Abraham? 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 Let's roll with Abraham. Amen. You say, if I'm doing right, why is God going to challenge me? In Abraham, in Abraham, God challenged his belief. God challenged his belief. Now, I'm going I'm to tell him a lot. Don't go to it, but I'm going to tell him a lot, and then we'll come back and go through it. On, on Abraham, all right? In Lot's case, Abraham was living. Say it with me. Abraham was living. Right. Lot was living. Wrong. All right. In in Abraham's life, God challenged his, or his faith, his assurance, his come his faith in him. God's challenged that. But in Lot, he is living how? Wrong. Wrong. So Lot, is his behavior is challenged. His behavior is challenged. You see, if you're living right, God is going to challenge your belief. But if you're living wrong, God is going to challenge your behavior. Y'all with me? Why are you saying all this, preacher? Because I want you to understand, if you're saved and you belong to Him, God's not going to let you skate. God's not going to just forget about it. I always, oh God, help us. I always, when, when me and my brother would be getting in trouble and doing something, my mom would say, when your daddy gets home, And me and my brother would be fasting and in prayer, begging for a a short case of amnesia before dad got home. Oh, let mama forget. Oh, let mama have have an aneurysm just for a minute and not tell dad what the situation. Oh, don't let God don't forget nothing. The all-seeing eye is always watching you. And if you're living right, God is going to challenge your belief. If you're living wrong, God is going to challenge your behavior. Now watch this, under belief. Under belief, there was three ways. There was three ways that God challenged Abraham. In the very beginning when he said, go to a place and I'm going to tell you. I want you to go to Canaan. I'm going to send you to Canaan. And and you go there, and and, and that's where I want you to go. All right? Well, he gets over there to Canaan. He gets over there, packs his stuff up. I mean, he takes a step of faith. He takes a step of confidence and belief. And he gets over here to Canaan, brings all his stuff to Canaan. And you know what? The very first thing he gets when he gets to Canaan, he runs right into a famine. Have you ever wondered why when God gave you a direction and you went that direction, you run right into a problem? How many of you all know what I'm talking about? Well, bless God, I'm going the direction you told me to go, and it seems like this I, I started going this direction. Everything's going wrong. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. The first thing he ran into was a famine. You know why? God was building his faith. God was testing him. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. The Bible says, the Bible says over there in 1 Peter 1, verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice. I mean, whoo, hallelujah, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptation. In other words, you are having some manifold problems. You are going through manifold difficulties. I mean, you are going through a hard time. It says that the trial, the testing of your faith, your belief, your assurance, your confidence in God. He said that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire. What? Your faith might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know what, the Lord? Woohoo! I feel a little preach coming on if my lungs can handle it. Amen. The Bible said when the Lord comes, will he find faith? on the earth. You know what God's looking for in his children? He is looking for faith in his children. He is looking for his children to believe him no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the surroundings are, no matter how bright the lightning, no matter how loud the thunder, no matter how hard the wind, he wants his children to believe in him that everything's going to be all right. No matter how dry the drought, no matter how hard the difficulty, he wants his children to believe in him. He said, I'm going to put you in a famine and then I'm going to take care of you. Children of Israel, I'm going to lead you out in the wilderness and then I'm going to feed you manna from heaven. I'm going to let water come out of a rock because I want you to have confidence in me. I want you to have assurance in me. I want you to believe in me. Hallelujah. That's good stuff, ain't it, Will? He wants you to believe in him. He'll send a lion your way so you can fight that lion and him conquer that lion for you. And then he'll send a bear your way so you can fight that bear and destroy that bear. He'll do that so you'll have confidence in him. So one day when that old ugly cussing Goliath stands in your way, when that giant of depression and fear stands in your way, when that giant of difficulty stands in your way, you'll have confidence. You won't back up. You won't fade out. You won't fizzle out. You won't freak out. You'll get down in that valley and say, breathe! Get on, son. God can handle you. Give him praise. Give him praise. If God never brings difficulty our way, we'll never know what he can do. He, they, we'd have never known he was a resurrection unless somebody died. We'd have never known he was a living water unless somebody got thirsty. We'd have never known he was a light of the world unless somebody was blind. Hallelujah. He's got to bring difficulty, not to destroy you, but to develop you, to build your faith. And Abraham run right into a famine. And he failed that test, by the way. That's when he ran to Egypt. But you know what the great thing with God is? Brother Kenneth, when we mess up a test, God will let us take it over. There's many tests in school, they wouldn't let me take over but when that teacher ever had mercy and said, we're going to take this again, I said, "Whoa, hallelujah. Preacher, I failed the test God gave me. Well, thank God he'll let you take it again. Right. He said, you ain't got no business in Egypt. He come out of Egypt. But you know what, God, listen, he challenged his belief, not only with a famine, but he challenged his belief with a fight. Because Lot was taken captive in the very next chapter. And I'm going to just go through this because I need to hurry up. Uh, Lot was taken captive and Abraham found out about it. And he took 318 men and fought four different kings and their armies and destroyed them. Preacher, what are you saying? I've got a fight on my hands. That's okay. The Bible says that the battle is the Lord's. Brother Jonathan, brother me here, brother Jonathan told me, he said, I don't know what it is. He said, we're out in the middle of this thing. We can't get it finished. We got a fight on our hands. I said, "Whoo! that means you're doing something right, son. I said, I don't know of anybody that hadn't gone through a building program, that the devil hadn't fought tooth and nail, and God brought them through in flying colors because God wants to build your faith. Hallelujah. I'm going to buy this tape myself. Amen. It's good stuff. Listen, he made him face a Famine. So that he would know that God could supply his need. He made him, oh, whoo! He made him face a fight. So he would know that God was his protector. And the battle is the Lord's. But you know what? He made him, listen, he challenged him with a famine, he challenged him with a fight, but then he challenged him with a funeral. A funeral. So, oh my God, what was that? God had promised him Isaac. In his old age, God miraculously brought a son into his life. Miraculously brought a son into his life. And when that son had gotten up to the age where they can have fun, God said, I need you to go sacrifice him. What a challenge. You, you, You want me to do what? I want you to go sacrifice him. You know what he did? He went and done just that. He took him up that hill. Isaac said, Daddy, I see the fire. I see the wood. I see all the things that's necessary for a sacrifice. But ain't we missing something? Where's the lamb? Oh, what faith! What confidence! Abram had to be able to say, God will provide himself a lamb. Lamb. (laughs) God was up in heaven going, Woo! Look at his faith. Look at how much he believes me. And as Abraham and Isaac was coming up one side of that mountain, God was sending a ram up the other side. Abraham was coming up one side saying, I surrender all. I surrender all. And when God provided that ram, he went down the other side saying, God can do anything, anything, anything. Woo, save me. If you're living right, God will challenge your belief. You say, why is God putting me through this? Why am I facing this fight in my life? Why am I facing this famine in my life? This lack in my life? This need? I've got a financial burden and a financial need because God wants you to call on Him in earnest prayer and God wants to meet your needs so you can see He is all you need. Say amen. Hallelujah. He'll challenge your belief. And if you're living wrong, if you're living wrong, oh, God will challenge your behavior. God will challenge your behavior. So how did he challenge Lot's behavior? Well, the first thing he did, and this is so intriguing to me. said, how did he challenge Lot's behavior? The first thing he did, he gave him a choice. See, what kind of challenge is that? You write that down and I'll tell you. A choice. You know what? Brother Privet, doesn't the Bible say that God knows the end from the beginning? God knows our intentions, every thought we ever think. God knows what direction we're going, He knows where we're headed. And God runs right in the way and says, okay. I'm going to give you a choice you can either choose to go the right way you can choose to stay under the authority of Abraham you could choose to stay under the blessing of Abraham because God said Abraham I'm going to bless you and everything that blesses you will bless you and everything that curses you I'm going to curse them so he had a choice to stay right or he had a choice to choose the well watered plain Rachel what do you mean? Before God gets down and dirty with you, He always gives you a choice. Isn't that mercy? Does the Bible not say? Does the Bible not say God will not tempt you above what you are able, but with all temptation give you a way of isn't that a choice? I don't know if you understand how deep I'm preaching right now. Because no matter where you are in your life, if you're going the wrong way before God drops the hammer on you, He will always give you a choice. He will always send somebody in your path to tell you, don't go that way. Don't make that decision. Don't go that direction. And you'll have a choice to make. Here Lot is. He's got got wealth. He's got riches because he's been under the umbrella of the authority of the blessings of God and the blessings of Abraham. He's making a choice. He knew that that city was wicked. I, there's no doubt in my mind. Brother Meher. don't you reckon Don't you reckon? Abraham sat down with him and said, Son, be careful. Be careful with that city. I've done heard the news has come out of that place. That place is wicked as hell itself. Amen. You know he did. Yet he chose to go the wrong way. How else did he challenge his behavior? Listen, he challenged his behavior with a choice. Be number number two, however you're writing it down. Number two, he challenged his behavior with what? Captivity. Here he is in a place he don't need to be. I mean, he's right in the middle. Or where he don't need to be. And by the way, wherever you are, God knows where you are. There ain't an umbrella big enough for you to hide under. God knows where you are. And if you belong to him, he's watching where you are. He's sitting in this city, wicked, wicked, wicked city, beyond imagination, wicked. And here he is, and the Bible said that he was righteous, and he vexed his own soul. He would see that wickedness, yet he didn't, he wasn't convicted enough to change. He was convicted enough to be bothered about it, but he wasn't convicted enough to make a change. Boy, ain't a lot of Christians in that place. It's like that country song, man over there having an affair with a woman. He said, it's bother me, but it's not bother me enough to leave. There's many Christians that way. He was vexing his soul, torturing his soul, and he'd see the wickedness around him, yet he would not leave. God said, okay. And here these kings come. Four different kings came and conquered those cities and took Lot into captivity. The Bible said took him, took his family, and took all his goods. That means all his wealth. Y'all still with me over there? What are you saying? God will get your attention. Uh, help me, Brother Barnes, will you get that verse? Can you put that verse up there by itself up there? Uh, 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 about uh, uh, scourging? Uh, okay, here we go. For whom the Lord loveth, he... That's a whooping. Say that with me. That's a, that's a whooping. And scourges. That's a show sure enough whooping. That's when the first whooping didn't get your attention. You got one. Is that, anybody had them kind of whooping? The first one didn't get your attention. You still got stupid. But that second one. woo And scourges every, how many of them? Son whom he receives. Watch the next one. Say, well, ain't nothing happened to me. I'm living like I want to. Ain't nothing happened to me. Well, you're in worse shape. The Bible says, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are and not that's not a cuss word y'all that's an English word that means illegitimate that means I, I, you're claiming to be saved but you don't even belong to it what do you mean? I mean this if you can run out there carry on live like a yard dog, drink raise cane do all this other stuff and nothing happened and not God not get your attention you have a problem So, what did he do? He sees his child living where he shouldn't be. He sees his child in an atmosphere that is not conducive to Christianity. He sees his child in a place he has no business being. So, what's he do? He comes and takes him captive. And now, Lot is a captive. Lot doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. Lot doesn't know whether they're going to take his wives and rape them and destroy them. He doesn't know whether he's going to get his riches back. He is in a bad way. God is chastising him. But see, here we go again. We see God's mercy all over again. First he had mercy by giving him a choice. Now he shows mercy because he lets Abraham come and rescue him and all his stuff. God even lets him keep his stuff. Now here's what I'd have been thinking right about that time. Miss Kaylee, I'd have said it's time to call Remax. It's time for me to get out of Dodge. Uh, uh, youngins, it's time to pack your clothes. We ain't going back there. I'm not going to, no, sir. I'm not going to take another whipping from God like this. There ain't no way I'm going to let this happen again. But you know what he did? He went right back to where he was. Just like some of you. God's whipped you. You went through a bad thing, and God has allowed you to come out of that. God has had mercy, and here you are. He's blessing you again, and you're still going back to what God tried to get you out of. Well, he not only challenged him with a choice. Say that with me. He challenged him with a Then he challenged him with a... (laughs) a, (laughs) Then he challenged him with a catastrophe. Catastrophe. You know what this tells us? God's not going to give up whooping you. God is not going to quit. till you either come back to him or you die and go to heaven. He went back. God said, okay. Okay. Do you know what Lot ended up losing? everybody says well he got out with his two daughters and his wife but what about the daughters he left behind what about the son-in-laws he left behind how many of y'all are grandparents in here raise your hand real high how many of y'all be honest with God and tell everybody in here you like your grandchildren better than you like your kids see there you know you do I told you that that bumper sticker said, "A uh, 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 grandchildren is God's gift for not killing your own children." <laughs> Amen, brother Ronnie. Amen. How do you think Paul Paul felt about leaving little Johnny back in Sodom when he knew what was fixing to happen? Right. You know, I've been kind of critical. I've been kind of critical of Lot. I've been kind of critical of Lot because the Bible said those angels had to physically manhandle him and grab one of his arms. Yeah. Listen, grab one of his wife's arms. One of them had to grab one of the daughter's arms and grab the other daughter's arm and drag them out of that city. Right. But do you know what? If my little monkey was there in that city, they'd have to drag me out too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on, grandfathers. Uh, yes, Your little one's in there. You know what's fixing to happen. Yeah. The Bible says they leave. One's turned into a pillar of salt. The wife turns back and is turned into a pillar of salt. They go to a cave. Listen, his, his daughters have been brought in such a deranged society. They didn't think there was another man heterosexual on this earth that they could have a family with. Read it. I'm not. This ain't. This ain't. As the world turns, it sounds like it. It's there in the Bible. They go to a cave. They're hiding in a cave. And and listen, the the daughters are so depraved. They say we'll get our father drunk and we'll lay with him and then we'll have a child. Then we'll be able to have a family. And both of them did the same thing. Brought about the most two wicked societies ever: the Moabites and the Ammonites. Preacher, what are you saying? God is not going to let you skate he's going to challenge your belief or he's going to challenge your behavior. And whatever your stubbornness is, the level of your stubbornness will determine the level of severity of judgment that you face. God is a wonderful God. He's a loving Father. Listen, I've got children I can say, and they'll melt down in the floor. Now, I don't have to go beat the devil out of them because that worked. Now, I have some. You know the rest. I have to get a hold of the situation because that's what it takes. That one's will is a little bit more stubborn than this one's will. Are you all with me? Last of all, tell me number one. Say it real loud. Number two, I want you to see the. Sir. Whom the Lord loveth, he chastened. It's certain. You can believe that. It's certain. Number three. Inclusion. Say it again. Inclusion. I want you to write this down. A, I want you to see the heritage that's remembered. The heritage. The heritage that's remembered. you know, everybody can look back and say, Father Abraham. And and Abraham's heritage is revered by the nation of Israel. What a great man, Father Abraham. But when they talk about the word lot, it's reviled. All memory of him is reviled. Are you all with me? The heritage that's remembered. But then, last of all, and this is the saddest part of all, I want you to see the home that's revealed. Here, Lot is no family, no wealth, no riches, no goods. Don't, please, please, don't, don't, don't turn, don't stop nothing, don't fold nothing, don't put nothing up because I want you to keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. Lot is sitting here in a cave, drunk and committed incest with his two daughters. What a home life. His other daughters are in ashes in a city that is no longer. His son-in-laws, his grandchildren... Listen, if you don't care about yourself, maybe you'll care about your children. Listen, the home that's revealed, Abraham. Abraham. We see this. His lineage is traced all the way to Christ. We talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We talk about a family line that's traced all the way down to the Lord Jesus Christ. What an incredible heritage. Then we look at another man. Lot. His heritage. We see the loss that is tragic. A lineage that is traced and then a loss that is tragic. What a terrible thing to do. When it could have simply been turned around at the place of choice it could have even been turned around it could have even been turned around at the place of captivity when God first got his attention it could have been turned around but he didn't you know what's happening this morning? some of you Facing a choice. Brother Dustin, will you get me some water? Some of you are at the place of a choice. It hadn't got bad yet. But God sees you going the wrong way. And He's giving you a choice by coming here today and hearing what I just said. Some of you are going through very bad things because God is chastising you. Some of you are facing incredible difficulty because God is trying to get your attention. But you know what? If you'll choose to turn back to God, you say, all right. A challenge of belief and a challenge of behavior. How do we know the difference when it looks exactly the same? You ever wonder that? Well, well, preacher, if I'm going through this, am I being challenged for my behavior or am I being challenged for my belief anybody ever wonder that how do I know the difference I'm going through a hard time but is it my behavior or is it my belief here's how you know here's how you know brother Will you don't just snatch up your child come home from work snatch up your child and beat the devil out of them you're going to say this is what you've done and this is what I've got to do because of what you've done God will never challenge your behavior without telling you what he is doing. Amen. And there's been so many people coming come to me and made all excuses in the world. No, no, no. Don't make no excuse. What's God telling your heart? God, he's big enough to convict you like he's big enough to convict me. I've never received a whooping that I didn't know what my whooping was for. You see that? God will never bring you into captivity until He gives you that choice. And you know, you know, because God will tell you. You Say, well, God ain't told me anything. Well, maybe God's trying to build your, your faith, your belief. But I guarantee you this, if He's challenging your behavior, He will let you know what behavior He is displeased with. That's how you tell the difference. Church, say amen. How do you want to end up? You want to end up like Abraham? Or you want to end up like Lot? Well, I'm still going to heaven. Yeah, but you're going to be awful lonely. On the road getting there. You're going to be bitter. Why, there ain't no sense in being that way. Not when God wants to bless you beyond your imagination of getting blessed. Some of you are right on the verge of captivity. And I'm sad to say this, some of you are right on the verge of catastrophe. If you don't care enough about yourself, please care enough about your family and your children and your grandchildren to do what God's telling you to do. Church, say amen. Amen. Lord, I I praise you today. Thank you for giving me strength. Thank you for helping me.